everybody and welcome to Indie Cult, the podcast where we discuss the struggles and learning experiences of independent artists and creative minds. I am George and today I am joined by... This is Evan. I'm back again. Hey Evan, welcome back. Always a pleasure to have you back. Always a pleasure to be back. So, um, how's everything? Good. I could say things are going uh, as well as they can. The uh, quarantine continues on. Sorry. But so does life. Life life ventures on. You know, it's funny It's funny you say life ventures on because I just had to kill an insect in my home. Okay, we got we got to cut that. Uh no no animals were harmed in the in the making of this podcast. It's not an animal, it's an insect. It's, it's part of the animal kingdom. It's one of those big water bugs. All right. <laughs> I guess. I guess he 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 broke into your house, right? So you had you had every right to uh, to take a necessary action. Yeah, I mean, the uh, roach cohorts can fight me on that one. Um, Funnily enough, about life goes on. Sometimes life doesn't go on, and that doesn't happen when you're stuck in a time loop. Did you see Palm Springs? I have not seen Palm Springs. So Palm Springs is a movie that came out this year on Hulu. Mm -hmm. It was an Andy Samberg movie. Mm -hmm. And it was a a fresh take on the time loop. Uh, Is it a genre? It's not really a genre. The time loop concept, like like Groundhog Day. Yeah. How was it? Um, it was, it was good. I liked it. I liked it. It was, it was different. It wasn't what you expect from a time loop, uh, movie. And this movie was, this movie holds the biggest record for the biggest sale of a film at Sundance Film Festival. Really? Yep. It was sold for $17,500,000. Dollars and sixty nine cents. It outsold the previous record holder by sixty nine cents. Wow! Who who was the previous record holder? Uh, the previous record holder was Birth of a Nation in twenty sixteen. Okay, it's like not that Birth of a Nation. No, no, not that Birth of a Nation. There was another Birth of a Nation in twenty sixteen that sold for seventeen point five million. Palm Springs outsold it by 69 cents. Wow. I'll have to check I it believe out. the 69 I believe uh, the 69 cents was added to out uh, outdo the previous movie to break break the record. Yeah. Um in terms of of time loop movies, I mean I think Groundhog Day probably holds the record for best time loop movie. I think so. I w- and probably, I mean, are, were there time loop movies before Groundhog Day? Hmm. It might. There might not have been. I mean, at the very least, it popularized uh, time loop movies, or it, it's the it's the quintessential time loop movie. Um, I don't know if there were other ones. I I feel like 
I'd be surprised if there weren't other ones. Although, well, there've been there've been multiple ones since Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. It, it's definitely inspired um, so many films. Yeah, um, there, there's there's some good time loop movies that I've seen. Um, did you see Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise? I have seen Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, that that was an interesting one. Yeah, that was an interesting one. Uh, Happy Death Day was a pretty good time loop movie. Mm-hmm. It was it was a horror time loop. Mm-hmm. PG thirteen. How about uh, still Looper? Looper wasn't time loop though. It wasn't time loop. No, are you talking about Looper with uh, the the Ryan Johnson uh, movie with the uh, with uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt and and Bruce Willis? Hmm, I could be I could be mixing it up with something else. That's it's a time travel movie, but I don't think it's a uh, it's not a time loop movie. It was a time travel movie. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Time loop, I just mean like where you just live the same day over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just just that that one day. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Palm Springs. I liked it. It was it was it was very very enjoyable. Very well done. Um, I can definitely see the indie in it. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean is, like, there were no crazy locations or crazy sets or anything like that. Uh, but it had it had some very good uh, 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 stars in it. Andy Samberg was in it. J.K. Simmons was in it. Um, uh, Chris, Kristen Milioti was in it. She's, like, um, I mean, she's not in, she's in a few things. She was in, she was the first wife in The Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. And she was the mother in How I Met Your Mother. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was like the the female lead opposite Andy Samberg. Okay. Um, yeah, if you, if you get around to it, if you, if you have some time uh, on Hulu, I liked it. It was good. It's streaming on Hulu. Yeah, I'll, ha- I'll have to check you it out. You better fucking watch it, bro. For $17.5 the least you could do is spend two hours and watch this movie. And 69 cents. And 69 cents, yeah. What what made you think of uh, Palm Springs? What made me think of it? What do you mean? Yeah, uh, what what brought it to your to your mind? Yeah, it's something you recently you mean just watched. Now? Yeah. Oh yeah, I saw it. Not last night, the night before. Okay, so it's fresh in your mind. Yeah, and you talked about how life goes on, and I'm like, well, not always. <laughs> Sometimes you're stuck in a time loop. <laughs> Sometimes it loops. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it doesn't go on. Man. But you were telling me how you were checking out, uh, you mentioned to me that you were checking out some of Martin Scorsese's early documentaries, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, recently watched uh, a little bit more of older Scorsese, some of his short films and his uh, documentaries. Uh, one of the first ones that I, uh, one of the first documentaries that I watched by him, I think was actually his first film. Uh, it's called Italian American. Uh, Makes sense. And it stars his mother and his father. And oh, so it's it's like a personal documentary about his family. 
Yes, and uh, he asks, he's basically talking to his family, or he has his family tell us a story about uh, their life in uh, New York, growing up in New York, and what it was like uh, with their uh, family, or their family history back in Italy and, and Sicily. Um, uh, and it sounds like, I mean, they, they are, you know, some of the earliest, uh, early 1900 New Yorkers, you know, the type of New Yorker that we don't really see around anymore. Hmm. Uh, I haven't seen any of his documentaries. There is that one, uh, which, uh, again, as a New Yorker, it's it's great to see and hear uh, these stories about old New York City or old, old New Yorkers and and where they came from. Um, it wasn't his first movie, though. I'm 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 just looking at his mm -hmm. uh, filmography. He had already done Mean Streets and uh, oh, Boxcar he? Bertha. Hmm. Huh. Oh, I, I didn't realize. Was it long long before? Um, well, Italian-American came out in 1974. Mm -hmm. He made Mean Streets the year before that, Boxcar Bertha the year before that. Mm -hmm. um, and he did Who's Knocking at My Door in 67. Okay. And he did a documentary called New York City Melting Point in 66. Mm -hmm. Okay. I suppose it was one of his, one of his. But first. it's one of his early, it, one one of his early works for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of his first documentaries next to, you said, Boiling Point. Yeah, uh, New York City melting melting point. Fair. I, I think Italian American was somewhere in the early seventies. Besides a couple of shorts that he had done, mm -hmm. New York City melting point was his first feature work. Hmm. And then he did Who's Knocking at My Door, and then he, he did The Big Shave, which I did see because you told me to watch it. Yes. Big Shave was, it was an interesting work for him, too. Uh, I had to read on it to, to get some more perspective, although uh, I feel like a huge uh, indication of what he might be trying to communicate is even just in, in the music he chooses to use in The Big Shave. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked The Big Shave. Uh, you can see some of his uh, earlier stylistic choices. Uh, just shooting this scene in, in a bathroom, um, he, he made it so interesting. Such an everyday place uh, came to life. Yeah, I think, I think uh, one of the one of the elements of the movie is how mundane it seems in the beginning, mm -hmm. right? At first, you're like, you know, it's it's only a, a five or six minute short. And at first you're like, why the fuck am I watching this dude shave for, for, for three <laughs> minutes? You know what I mean? Before it really starts getting into what what's happening. Yeah. Because it's not just a regular shave. It's a, bit, it's a big shave. It's the big shave. So what else did you watch after Italian American? I watched American Boy, a profile of Stephen Prince. Um, mm -hmm. it's interesting uh, it's about an hour long uh, Stephen Prince himself is another uh, New Yorker uh, former drug addict maybe even still a drug addict uh, during the filming of this he was a manager for Neil Diamond uh, he actually played the gun salesman in Taxi Driver 
Stephen Prince tells the story of his life, uh, and in it is actually a scene that inspired uh, a, a, a big scene in Pulp Fiction. I don't want to say what it is, but as you watch it, you'll, you'll see exactly where the inspiration for this scene oh, came man. from. It's a keen now, scene. Now you got me dying to know what it what it is. Do you want me to spoil it, or would you rather be surprised watching it? No, don't spoil it. Great. I, I think you'll really enjoy it. Yeah. I, I don't want you to spoil it for me or for uh, any listeners who might want to check out American Boy, a profile of Stephen Prince. Stephen Prince is, is what you would probably call like a real New Yorker. He He took some real gritty jobs, and at this point in his life, he's telling you stories like he's 60 or 70 years old but but the guy is 30 years old and he has a lot of you know he he's lived through a lot uh i, I recommend it to is he still working steven prince uh from what i i saw has done a few things here or there no, nothing really big in the entertainment industry that that i can tell got it and what why, why do you think Mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese was so taken with Stephen Prince that he wanted to make a documentary about him. I think that um, you should watch the documentary and you'll know why. Stephen Prince is an interesting uh, individual. I'd say, you know, uh, New Yorker, uh, grew up Jewish, I believe. And uh, he's also what I would call, a, a, you know, a real New Yorker, something that we don't see too much these days. Uh, these, Just tell me how it ends. Tell no, I'm you kidding. how it ends. Well, you know, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Don't don't tell me. Don't tell me. I'm only joking. He doesn't die. <laughs> well, I would hope not. That'd be quite the twist. <laughs> so you said he's the he's a real New Yorker, huh? Yeah. Uh, All right. I don't want to ask any more because you might have to give something away if I ask you what makes him what makes you say that and stuff. I know. I've been trying really hard to keep it vague because I, I find. Both of his documentaries really interesting, um, and and when I say real New Yorker, I, I think I say because in my recent experiences, I, I've been told how rare it is to meet native New Yorkers, and and this New York culture that I've uh, loved and been so interested in, and that um, we've seen represented in so many films, is no longer alive. It's kind of sad to think that 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 New York culture has changed so much. What what aspects have you seen go away that makes you say that? Which aspects of uh um you you want me to go into characteristics or just the the, the fact that um the people in New York are are coming in from out of state and the majority of the people around us are are were not raised in New York. Yeah, and, and you mentioned that you you feel like the what what makes like true New York is is going away, right? You said that it's changing, and I'm just asking what aspect have you seen change mm-hmm. drastically in terms of of New York and New York mm-hmm. culture? Uh, accents, uh, styles of communicating, phrases, uh, the way people interact with each other in general. Um, as a New Yorker, I feel like uh, there was a period of time where people would start conversations with you and you, you can meet just random interesting individuals. Uh, and uh, I, that hasn't happened to me in some time or it happens a lot less than it used to. You mean like strangers talking to you? Sure. 
does that huh. does that happen to you or has that happened to you recently or have you noticed it happening less than it might have 10 or 15 years ago i don't think strangers ever talk to me really i thought it was just me though i get stopped at least once a week i thought i just have one of those faces you, what you, for what to uh, uh uh for someone to talk to me about my beard yeah, but that's different because you have a very long beard and I think it makes an impression on people. Like, I don't have anything that stands out like that besides my boyish good looks, of course. But no. anything else, I don't really have anything that, that stands out mm -hmm. for people to... What are people going to stop to me and say, you know? Yeah. Like, if when you had a short beard or or you, you were clean-shaven, do you feel like people still stop to, to ask you about... My beard? The skin <laughs> where a beard might be. You know, <laughs> the skin under. <laughs> you look like you used to have a really long beard. Yeah. I really like that area of your chin. You should cover it up with a beard, though. <laughs> well, I mean, if it wasn't for your beard, though, people wouldn't be stopping you to talk to you. You know... Uh, Years ago, though, I, I would be stopped and, and have conversations with with a lot of different people, you know, before my beard came along. And, and beyond even just being stopped to uh, uh, for conversation, uh, the general attitude uh, a native New Yorker had, the way that one held him or herself and... Um, was was different to me can you can you point out like an example i'm just trying to grasp exactly what it is that you see has changed uh demeanor in ways and like i said ways of communicating uh new uh -huh. yorkers have this interesting way of uh, interrupting each other and uh taking a conversation on a tangent <laughs> <laughs> taking the conversation on a tangent and then somehow coming all the way back to it and, and only allowing you to continue your story. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I guess. I don't know if I've noticed that not being the case. I mean, I feel like that's more of just like an individual personality thing. You think that's something widely attributed to New Yorkers that they will interrupt you while you're speaking to go on a separate tangent and then bring it back so you can finish your story? I don't think that's everyone. I, w I wouldn't ever categorize everyone, you know, into one group. But I, I guess, as I said, just the, the style of communicating and, and also their, their attitude, their demeanor is something that I don't see present, you know, in, in, in current hmm. people living in New York. Um, and just, you know, again, based on the fact that I've been in, in crowds of five or six people and I, I could be the, I, a lot of times, am the only native New Yorker. I think there's definitely a lot of transplants in New York. Um, I don't know if it's more so now than it was before, though. And also, I don't, I don't know if I've noticed any sort of shift personally. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't think I've ever really had any at least impressionable experiences of, of having conversations with strangers. Mm -hmm. In fact, I would say that New York is the opposite. It's more so a place where strangers don't talk to each other. 
I've surely in general that there are changes between generations as well. Yeah. One thing I definitely, um, one thing I always felt was untrue about New York stereotypically is that New Yorkers are rude. That's always something I hear people say who are not from New York. Kind of lines up with the idea that uh, no one really spoke to you. People would keep to themselves. I think people who are not from New York or who are not accustomed to big cities, I think misinterpret the fast-pacedness of New York as rudeness. Mm -hmm. Like... If you're just walking slowly in the middle of the street, yes, people will get annoyed and walk around you. And people don't like say hello to each other when they walk by each other um, in New York. Whereas like other places in small towns that happens. Um, But I've found that New Yorkers are always friendly. um, If you really stop a New Yorker to, to ask them something. I think some of what um, like mm-hmm. like if you're if you're a tourist, maybe nobody will stop and say, "Do you need help?" But if you stop someone and say, "Hey, I'm trying to get to this place," they will most likely be more than willing to help you out. Yeah, and I I don't think even the idea that that maybe they get annoyed and and the fast pacedness. I I think also that for some people, some of that is rude. Right. I think that's what I'm saying. They they interpret it as rude, but it's not with rude intent. I I think, you know, oh, this person just kind of stepped around me and they didn't say anything. It's like, oh, how rude of them. They're not rude. It's just that this is the 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 city moves at a certain speed, and you're disrupting that movement. If that's not your fault, you're not from this area so it's understandable that you you're not accustomed to exactly how things operate but i think that's that's kind of where there's a, a bit of a cultural disconnect a lot of the time so then when that person goes down south are they rude who let's say that new yorker goes down south and and behaves the same way are they then rude or are they just misunderstood I don't think anybody's rude. I think it's a matter of of um, figuring out the the culture of the place that you're in and then assessing rudeness based on that. Like, like, you know, we've both been outside of New York. I think, you know, you have you've been down south, right? Mm -hmm. I think you've noticed that that things move a little slower outside of New York, right? Not in a bad way, just slower. What makes not everything is a mad dash, right? What makes a New Yorker is uh, the faster talking, the faster walking, uh, the faster thinking. It's just the faster aspect. Everything, right? It's just faster. You know, you go into a coffee shop, you expect your coffee to be done almost at the same time you ordered it. You know what I mean? It's like everything is very, very fast, fast, fast. And and there's a case to be made that that's not good for you, right? That's a lot of stress mm-hmm. like on your body. And then you shouldn't be, you know, always on the go like that. But then if you go down south where where things might be moving at a slower pace, um, you're not accustomed to that. And maybe you're thinking, well, it's taking forever for, for this to happen. You know what I mean? It's taking forever for me to get my coffee from the Starbucks. Um, but it's not a matter of they're 
they're like taking their time because they're rude or it's not a matter of you're impatient because you're rude. It's just a matter of there's a, there's a cultural break that you've, you've got to consciously be aware of to try and bridge. I, I think it's a matter of perspective based on where you are. A person can behave rudely without having the intent. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think intent plays a role in it. It doesn't change like, your behavior, though, right? Maybe I didn't mean to be rude, although what I did was rude. Maybe I didn't intend to be rude. Doesn't change the fact that it is rude. You get into, um, yeah, you, you get into some uh, weird territory with it, though, because it's all a matter of perception and an opinion, you know. He's going to go back to wherever he's from, you know, whether it's a New Yorker going back to New York or a so-and-so going back to wherever. They're going to say, oh, like, they thought I was rude because I did this. And they're going to tell him, no, are you crazy? That's not rude. So what if you did that? You know, it's just a matter of it's a matter of opinion. It's a matter of perception. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can be I think there's certain things that are almost universally rude. But I think there's certain things that are perceived as rude that might not necessarily be done with that intent it's just a matter of acclimating to the surrounding mm -hmm. you might say that maybe no behaviors or almost no behaviors are actually intended to be rude right people behave rudely because of some other reason because of their own anxiety even the rushing new yorker right is not intending to be rude but their own anxiety is getting the best of them and it's you know, creating this behavior itself that's rude. Yes, but there, there is, there is intentional rudeness or like intentional meanness. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like, um, you know, if you want to check on your, if you want to check on your food at a restaurant, you know, the polite way in, I would say most of the world is to say, excuse me, mm -hmm. Um, can you tell me where my food is or can you can you please check on my order? Mm -hmm. The rude way is, hey, asshole, where the fuck is my food? Right. Yeah. I don't think there's there's very few people that would argue that the latter wasn't rude. You know, the person himself doesn't think like the person himself might justify it and say, well, if he did his job and I, I wouldn't have mm -hmm. to. But he knows that he's being aggressive. Mm hmm. You know, what if, yeah, because he, uh, because of his aggressive behavior. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because there isn't, I guess, an overt superficial friendliness in New York. That is perceived as rude, I think, by some people who are not from big cities. I think a lot of big cities have that element to them. Mm hmm. And I think people who are used to being from smaller cities or smaller towns, they're used to saying hello and being greeted with a smile mm -hmm. and all that. And then when they're not, they think that they're getting, they might think that they're getting attitude from someone when in reality, it's just, it's not, people don't just say hello and smile at you randomly, not, you know, in, in New York. Some of this could be remnants also of, you know, uh, Decades ago, New York, you know, higher crime rate, P people needed to be a little bit rougher around the edges in general to, to survive through a, a New York, uh, New York City climate. 
That might be part of it. And I also think a big thing is the population. New York City, 8 million people. I mean, you can't fucking say hello and smile at everybody. You, you go crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, small town. Yeah, you, you see a person every every so often. Oh, hello. Nice to see you. Yes, okay. You know, here, there's so many people, you don't even know your neighbors in New York. Yeah. You know? Well, we got that stereotype too, right? Uh, maybe a movie. Some guy walks into a pizzeria and there's no hello or anything. He's, what do you want? Yeah. I would say that's a little rude. <laughs> if you walk into a pizzeria and they don't say hello, <laughs> they're just like, what do you want? Like, I probably would still just order my pizza and, and, and be on my way, but I, I would probably not particularly think that that person was being friendly. I would expect in an establishment to be greeted at the very least. I'm, uh, I don't expect it. I've, I've walked into a number of establishments where maybe it's not that way. I mean, I don't expect, I guess there's different ways to say it. Like, what do you want? Sounds very like aggressive and forward. But if someone walked in, I guess the tone matters too. If, if I walked into a pizza place and I walked up to the, the counter and, and the person behind there said, what can I get for you? Mm-hmm. I don't perceive that as rude. Mm-hmm. But what do you want? I don't know. That just sounds very, that sounds very aggressive to me. Maybe that was uh, the New York attitude that's no longer there or, or the rudeness that, that could be disappearing. That's what you miss. You miss, you miss the assholes. <laughs> I miss the, uh, the directness. Yeah, the directness. I don't know. What do you want sounds aggressive to me. I don't think I would take that as just, oh, it's New York. I think I would take that as, okay, that guy's a little mean or that guy's a little, or that guy's having a bad day. Something's going on with him. Yeah, something, he's not he's not doing too well today. <laughs> but if I walked in, I said, hello, and they go, what can I get for you? What can I, you know, how can I help you? Anything like that is fine. I don't expect, oh, hello, how are you? Nice to see you. I don't expect that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I guess a, f- uh, uh, a more friendly response in a store, I think I have some sort of a, whether it's conscious or unconscious uh, expectation. Cause at the end of the day, you want to do business with me, right? Like you should be nice to me. I could just walk out of here. <laughs> you know, I could leave. <laughs> guess yeah. what? You're not the only pizza. You're, you're not the only pizza place on the, on the, on the block, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something we see in um, uh, maybe even speak about like Scorsese films or films in New York, right? Is uh, people go into these establishments where they know the owners and uh, they know people in them. And that now it's more so just a kind of a revolving sets of employees at a lot of places. So I, I think you're missing, I think you like a little bit of a hometown vibe. Uh, community in some ways. And yeah. New York did have communities to it. And I guess the fact that there are less communities. I think on, on a on a on a micro scale it had it. Yeah. You think New York had communities on a micro scale? Yeah. I think I think if you look at New York like all five boroughs, just an overview, it it doesn't, but then if you kind of dive in deep, I think that's when you find like little little communities all over the place. I, I think there there were, and those those are disappearing. 
Because I feel like New York, you can almost break, it's one city, but you can almost break it down into little cities if you wanted to. And I, I mean beyond the boroughs. I mean like little little cities in the boroughs, you know? Yes, yeah, each each borough had, had its own neighborhoods, right? And uh, yeah. the, those neighborhoods had, had yeah. That, uh, a different I think I think I follow I I think I follow what you're saying now. I think I, I was struggling to understand your point in the beginning, but I think I'm 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 understanding what you what you mean. Yes, the little the little towns, the little areas within New York had a a, a communal aesthetic to them, and and they don't as much anymore. Uh, I guess a lot of that is being lost either by people leaving New York and or. Uh, people moving into New York from different places and uh, the New York culture is kind of, you know, those, I guess those different cultures are kind of lost. Um, it was, it was cool going to different areas of New York and finding little cultural hubs all over the place. Yeah. You know, New York has always been a boiling point that I guess it's just uh, uh, fusing even more. New York City, melting pot, mm-hmm. melting point. What, what was it? Yeah, uh, boiling pot, right? Is that what I they call know. it? <laughs> melting, melting, well, boiling it's, it's pot. The... No, I'm talking about what was Scorsese's documentary? Boiling point. Uh, was it boiling point? I could. Be I don't wrong. think so. <laughs> melting point. I think melting pot. The melting pot. Melting pot. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, New York City melting point, melting point. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see that. That sounds like it's probably along the lines of our our, our discussion, right? Um, a documentary about New York City produced in collaboration with United States Information Agency for educational and information purposes. Wow, he made an educational. I guess it might not be at all about what we're talking about. <laughs> might not. <laughs> well that's okay this is in the cult melting point um i really appreciate living in a city that has so many different um cultures though i think it's very beneficial to live in an area where you are exposed to all sorts of people from all sorts of walks of life i think it gives you a really i think it gives you a, a well-rounded perspective on things uh, I, I couldn't agree more. The one thing I've always been most thankful for is um, multicultural knowledge, being able to, you know, having that that um, privilege to travel, to go to other countries, to go to other states and, and to see how different people live, interact with the world and, and uh, navigate the world in general, uh, the way they think and feel about the world, uh, really a uh, broadens uh, one's uh, ability to think about think about all those topics definitely i think i think there is great benefit to to seeing people who don't look like you who Mm -hmm. weren't raised like you who don't live in the same conditions as you Mm -hmm. uh seeing um what how they live and what their what their station in life is and and their perspective on things i think it's very important Mm-hmm. to have that mm-hmm. um and i think we're lucky to to live in a city where we can we can get we can get something like that um close to home but yes traveling and, and seeing other parts 
um, of the country and the world um, will will only further that experience and that and that uh, cultural learning. Yeah, and I think something we touched on earlier um, uh, that you mentioned, right? If a person uh, uh, lives in New York and they grow up uh, in this rush, always passing people and going around them, that can be perceived as rude. Um, although it may be the only way they know to be, and maybe it's not until they're exposed to another way of living that they that they think, oh, you mean I don't have to think, talk, and react fast all the time? I, I can do things slower? Wait a second. What, what is this? I, I feel like I'm on drugs or something. No, 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 no. <laughs> You're just not stressed. What? <laughs> what do you mean, no stress? <laughs> I thought I had to take Valium to achieve this. I didn't know I could reach Nirvana just by going south. I don't need drugs. <laughs> Something I'm wondering uh, is, uh, yeah. uh, on this same topic, what are your favorite movies about or, or that are set in New York City? Ooh... Good question. Uh, I mean, I don't know about New York City. About or set in New York City. You know, where New York City is obviously an important part of uh, the story in some ways. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no shortage of um, Martin Scorsese movies set in New York, right? Not at all. Every single one of them is is great. Um, yeah, and yeah, and almost every single one is set in New York. <laughs> um, Taxi Driver might be my favorite movie set in New York. Actually, it's a really good one. Hmm. We have a uh, Serpico. Serpico is really good as well. Um. Oh. Oh. Actually, maybe even if not close to Taxi Driver, mm -hmm. um, I'd say Goodfellas as well by Scorsese. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. How about um, King of New York with uh, Christopher Walken, Wesley Snipes, and um, yeah, Lawrence Fishburne. That's a good. That's a good one too. I like that as well. Mm -hmm. A lot of Woody Allen movies are set in New York. Uh, Annie Hall, one of the more uh, recent ones, right? Uh, Gangs of New York. I mean. Yeah. Bro, Gangs of New York is almost like twenty years old. It's not as recent as you think, but yeah. Yeah, it's not as recent as I think, sure. Oh, I got one that I like, uh, The Terminal. Steven Spielberg, The Terminal with with, with uh, Tom Hanks. It takes almost almost entirely, takes place in uh, JFK. You've recommended it to me. I, I have yet to see it. Oh, you should see it. I think you'll like it. I'll, I'll bump it up on my list. Yeah. Uh, am I, uh, am oh, I... The Godfather. Oh, yeah, of course, The Godfather. How could we not? Uh, am I allowed yeah. to say uh, Escape from New York? Huh. Uh, it's a funny one because it's not really New York. It's a dystopian version mm -hmm. of New York. So I don't know if it has that New York element to it because it's like Manhattan, but if Manhattan was a big prison. You know, so I don't know. You know what it's got? That New York culture. What? Oh, it's got that <laughs> culture, all right. They're just a bit rude. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I guess. I don't know. I feel like that one, I don't know. Yeah. It's on shaky ground, if you ask me. I'll, 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 I'll push it to the side. Uh, New Jack City. Requiem hmm. for a Dream. Yeah, I, I guess it, it. Look, it's. I guess it's easy to pick out movies that are set in New York. New York is a very popular place to set a movie, mm-hmm. but I think there's got to be more to it than it was just set in New York, right? Like you said, it's got to yeah. have a real New York feeling to it. I, I think, which I think Scorsese does a good job of injecting yeah. into the movies. Yeah, but not every movie set in New York has that. What I would say about Requiem for a Dream is it's it's a it's a film set in Coney Island. More importantly, uh, it's a film set in in that Coney Island part of Brooklyn, and I think that's the culture and uh, that's the influence that that makes it part of that film. And it's got some of that communal feeling where you were talking about, where mm-hmm. the the mom in it, Jared Leto's mom. Mm-hmm in it she had like her little friends and they would sit Mm -hmm. outside in front of the building and chat and stuff it had that old new york that you were talking about and she even knew the guy where her son used to you know pawn her 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 tv every week yeah you know what actually you know what has some new york vibe to it men in black it does you're right yeah men in black has good new york aesthetic it really does um but trust me there's fucking freaks out there in new york so I mean, it's not that hard to believe that some of them might be aliens <laughs> yeah it, it does have that aesthetic right going into to, to the jeweler and it's it's a really interesting one i got one i got one yeah. you're gonna love this one say it. you ready yeah die hard with a vengeance oh yeah oh yeah of course yeah that's just traveling american gangster was Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's why. And American Gangster was in New York too, right? Yes, it was in New York. Yeah. Oh, I got another one. Yeah. Ninja Turtles. Ninja Teenage Turtles. Teenage Ninja Turtles. Oh, that was so New York. It, yeah, the 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 original Ninja Turtles. You not know, not the not the new oh, no. ones, the original. The ones. original the, that it was so dark. That was so good. You you know what yeah. film also couldn't probably take place in any other place? Uh Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is very New York. Yes. Ghostbusters is very, that's a great one. That is a great one. That's one of the best ones. Down to Bill Murray, right? Down to Bill Murray, exactly. <laughs> um, you know what else? Spider-Man. Yes, you're right. That didn't come to my mind. Spider-Man, very much so. Very much, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 when you first asked, I was like, oh man, this is going to be hard. But I think we got a, we got a good list going of... of New, of movies that that embody the mm-hmm. the New York spirit. I mean, we could probably keep going. Uh, Once upon a time in America, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, Once upon a time in America. I mean, th- there are so many hey. films. Yeah. You were talking about like unsafe New York, Bad Lieutenant. Oh yes, the Bad Lieutenant. Hmm. Not not uh, New Orleans or whatever the no but port Harvey call. Keitel <laughs> yeah <laughs> what was it uh, a port call uh, that's actually a um Werner Herzog Werner Herzog yeah yeah it's Werner Herzog he did I don't know if it was a, supposed to be like a remake or a sequel mm-hmm. we're, get, we're going back into that territory oh, that's, that's, sorry <laughs> Carlito's Way <laughs> Carlito's Way I don't think I've seen that one actually ooh. Carlito's Way, uh, starring Pacino. 
Um, if you haven't seen Carlito's Way, I really... I don't think I have. I really suggest you do. It's 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 one of uh, Brian De Palma's uh, better films. I'll check it out. Yeah. I mean, starring Al Pacino, John Leguizamo plays a role in it. Uh, Sean Penn is in it. It's uh, Louis Guzman, Viggo Mortensen. It's got a good cast. I'll check it out. Yeah. Um, I got another one. Yeah. Trading Places. Oh, my God. Of course. Yeah. Trading Places. And, and it, it even speaks to what we were talking about before. Different people, different walks of life mm-hmm. and so on. It's exactly like the, the, the two ends of the spectrum. Yes. New York is it has such a uh, such an influence in filmmaking, huh? Mm-hmm. There's so much personality. You know, a, a lot of movies that are set in New York aren't even shot in New York, though. You're right. Although, what what they tried to bring, even if they're not shot in New York, right? Like Eyes Wide Shut, um, they tried to bring the New York vibe with them. Yes. Yes. I mean, if you don't have the real city, you gotta you gotta really try to work in the vibe. Yeah, yeah. I think Toronto is a popular um, uh, place, uh, a city to stand in New York's place. Hmm. I feel like I've I've heard about that. Yeah, I think they dress up Toronto to make it look like New York, just because I think it's just uh, cheaper to shoot in Toronto than it is to shoot in New York. Oh my God, I, I, got, I got one. And this is, it's not only is this New York, this is Queens. What you is ready? It? Yeah. Coming to America. Coming to America is Queens. But, but you said Queens, right? Yeah. How about Good Time and Uncut Gems? Oh yeah, Good Time is very Queens. Good Time And is yes, very both those movies are, and, and, and Uncut Gems, yes. They're too new. I was thinking older, but yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Those are two, yes, very much New York movies. Yes. You know what you said, and maybe this ties into what we were saying earlier. Even though they are newer films, like you said, they have, would you agree that they have an older New York vibe to them? Yes. I would say even though they are modern movies... And, you know, Uncut Gems came out last year in 2019. Mm-hmm. It's set in 2012. I still consider that the same thing. Mm-hmm. I do think, yes, they managed to capture an old school New York aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, if, if we, we could sit here for a long time and come up with more stuff, I feel like. Yeah, I think we could probably do that for a long time. Uh, just, to, you know, how influential. Uh, how about. Uh, an odd one is uh, Francis Ha. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Noah Baumbach does a lot of New York stuff as well, right? Yeah. 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 Th- that is kind of, that's interesting because that New York one is, is is like New York from the perspective of the transplant. Yes. Which I think is, is a popular outlook as well. I'm, yeah, there are probably, it maybe it plays to the idea that I was saying that there, I feel like there might be more transplants now than uh, native New Yorkers or New Yorkers who were raised uh, around those five boroughs. 
Yeah, I'm not. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure. You might be right. I don't. I'm not sure. Hard to say. You 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 had an idea though before I asked this question. There there was something on your mind. Oh yeah, I was gonna say because we were talking about documentaries before. Mm -hmm. I saw a, a good documentary series, um, and it's been out for uh, a, a while now. And when I say a while, I don't mean like years. I mean like mm -hmm. maybe like a year or a few months. McMillions. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Did you did you see it or hear, hear about it? I have not seen it. Uh, I, it. It's come up. I've I've heard of it, although I don't know much about it. So it was an it's an HBO documentary series, six parts, mm -hmm. one hour each. It is about the McDonald's Monopoly game scam. Mm-hmm. So do you you know the 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 Monopoly game at McDonald's, right? Yes. In the nineties, there was a scam going on where basically this is not a spoiler. Um, I don't want to say exactly what happens for, for, for you or anybody else who might want to check it out. But basically, the FBI realized that all the winners mm -hmm. from the Monopoly game were somehow or another connected or related or had people in common. Mm -hmm. So they realized that there's no way that so many people who ha have some sort of affiliation with each other could possibly be winning authentically yeah so they launched an investigation to figure out what is going on with the monopoly game mm -hmm. and we're talking about the the winnings would be something as small as a, a french fries free french fries to one million dollars and they were looking at the one million dollar winners all of them seem to have some sort of a relationship with each other yeah that's really interesting yeah, I'm sure plenty of people won French fries. Yeah, yeah, that, that's nothing. Like, nobody's looking at that. But $1 million, all the winners knew each other in some way or another. Yeah, that is suspicious. I'll, I'll, I'll have to check that out. I mean, I remember the only things I was really winning was, like, free small French fries or, like, a, like a, an ice cream. And their ice cream was always on the fritz. <laughs> Yeah, they they never had a working ice cream machine at McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, they, they um, yeah. I mean, I think I think for casual people like 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 me or you, we probably only got stuff like that. But but people who who played played went to McDonald's a lot. <laughs> they got they got a lot of stuff. Went to McDonald's, and apparently, um, they would give you a ticket if you just asked for one like one of those little winning things. Like you didn't have to buy something to, to get one. You could just go into a McDonald's and say, hey, give me one of the tabs and they'll give you one. Wow, I didn't know that. I think that in the documentary, they kind of mentioned it briefly. It, it, it's not really important to the documentary. But in the documentary, they mentioned that that was their policy. And the reason is that that was the only way it wouldn't count as gambling. Hmm. If they make you buy something in order to get a tab, to, that's gambling. But if they give them out for free, but you can also get one if you buy food, that's not gambling. Wow. Yeah. It's like, well, we give them for free. You huh. can get one for free. You don't have to give us anything for it. You can just take it. But if you order a, a Big Mac, you'll get some with that too. 
Wow. Or if you use one to, well, you never got Big Macs with those things. They only gave you things that didn't offer those uh, more prizes, right? What, what do you mean? Like, uh, you can win a small french fry, but a small french fry doesn't give you more uh, more tickets. Oh, I, I don't remember. Like, you mean you could just keep winning? Like, you could buy one french fry and that could just snowball into, like, <laughs> ticket upon ticket upon ticket upon ticket? So. I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know. Would they intentionally give you a fry that didn't have a Monopoly uh tab on it i don't know i don't remember not everything had tabs from what i recall like the small french fries and i think mcflurries and stuff like that didn't have tabs but i remember the sodas and and uh the burgers and the, and the other food had tabs i could be wrong it's been it's been a long time yeah i, I don't i don't remember um but anyway yeah in terms of documentaries mcmillions i think it's good hbo i'll have to check that out yeah yeah, and I'll check out Italian American. And what was the other one? Uh, uh, the other one is an American bo- boy, or is it just American? An boy? American boy. It is an American am- boy. I think it's just a uh, American boy. Uh, uh, a profile of Stephen Prince. Okay. Both to be found streaming on the Criterion Channel, if anyone's interested. We uh we don't have any sponsorship with Criterion, but we will gladly take money to promote Criterion. We have no qualms with that. Please contact us at spinningrailfilms at gmail.com or you can message us on Instagram at spinningrealfilms or tweet at us on Twitter at spinningrealf. That's R-E-A-L for real, spinning R-E-A-L, films. And most importantly, join the cult. Problem like my father with his coke bins. He numbed the world, acting like we didn't know shit. I lost a lot of days, I lost a lot of nights, I lost a lot of love. Chilling in the Myers pubs, and this is crazy. This is the city that shows me love. The brighter the lights, shorter the hug. These niggas ain't making just what they happen. Wouldn't be rapping, would be in the cage for trapping. Life ain't fair upon the smoking gun. But who do we listen to when the spoken run? Brothers speak the truth, the 9-11 JFK killings. But don't see the assassins after us. Only killer that won't peel with a cap the bus. Even atheists got their hands out. Trying to get their plans out. Still believing in God we trust. It's all for us. What the fuck? Time never lies, chosen run. But we all gonna die by the smoking gun. You all gonna blast and live life fun. But we all gonna die by the smoking gun. Nine in the trunk, ease at the waist. Smoking gun is in your face. They the ones living fast and you gon' blast me. We the ones living fast and you gon' blast me. 
I know you thinking that I'm talking about money. Sense can make you smile and poverty to something funny. If you can't let that pain, you won't recognize the pleasure. You can't grasp the number or withstand the measure. Fit the whiskey in a cup by my shades and almonds. Just so I don't see the sun before I'm going nuts. Too many niggas willing to clap. Right cross to your temp. Probably seconds after they dap. And cops looking at you crazy cause you strapped too They tend to chew to your nigga with the tattoo We all lost stress and pressing Even Kardashian got fucked and gave birth to direction West vest on your chest until dead with the rest Goddamn society's a mess I hear the game is all real I ain't seeing ya Nah, I guess I can't believe all the media Swore I lost it all in the midst of the public I didn't see a problem when I persisted to fuck it The game's a baby's diaper, dirty, you stay alive Is it better to live in fakeness or die in pride? I realize I anonymize the evil inside The greed in my eyes, goddamn the pain that arise I know what this is, that's all that it is The only sickness that's still breathing in our kids Is the smoking gun